You know, this stop and go is a big challenge because it really, when it comes to momentum, I think we all want to have momentum in our lives. And if we're going to achieve anything in life, momentum becomes a very critical thing. When I was teaching on momentum during our hour of prayer, I really felt it would be good for me to bring it on this platform because of the great response that we received on it. And I'm praying for you that as you listen to the message today, that you will also review a lot about momentum. I want to use the story of Nehemiah. I think the book of Nehemiah has become a nice book for this lockdown period. Eh? I don't know about you, but there are certain things that will remind you of the lockdown. You know, it's like that uh, advert, Yahande. Uh, I don't like about that advert, Yahande. How about you? Are you alive? Can I see? Are you, are you here? Are you alive? Are you, are you all here? It looks like I'm talking by myself. Are you alive here? Yeah, are you alive? Or otherwise, yeah, 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 yeah. So you better be alive. You better be alive. I think some adverts will remind me of a lockdown. Okay, let me not go through them. You don't want to, you don't want to follow and so on. But I think there are things that will remind me of lockdown. But certainly, the book of Nehemiah, and certainly when you read uh, the stories and read the book of Hosea, Joel, Zachariah will, I think they will remind me. Because remember, Bazalana, this time will pass as well. Yeah. You are still dead this side. You are still dead. I said, this time will also pass, right? There's no season and there's no time that will not pass. The book of Corinthians tells us there is no temptation that will come our way that is not common to men. And that word temptation throws a lot of people because when we see the word temptation, we immediately think about sin. But that word temptation there is the word test and trial. There is no test and there's no trial that comes your way that's not common to men. And then it says, but with every temptation, God provides a way of escape. Hallelujah. I think we'll talk about that probably maybe next week. I was going to talk about that, but I changed my mind because I thought we must talk about momentum. With every test and trial, God provides a way of escape. So we need to understand that this period will pass, but what we mustn't lose at this time is our momentum. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 4, we read the words of Nehemiah when he says, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. You know the historical background by now. The children of Israel had come out of exile to come back to their motherland and they come back to a city that is destroyed in a total state of chaos. So what do they do? They want to rebuild the city. So they start on the project, but the project stalls. People get discouraged and they abandon what they are doing. So Nehemiah, what he's really trying to do is to instill in people a sense of momentum to get them back to the building process, and that is not very easy. So he says to them, you can see that we're in great trouble. We are in disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates are burnt with fire. And he's hearing all of this. 
It says, when I heard this, I sat down, I wept for some days, I mourned and I fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What I love about Nehemiah, he didn't remain in that state. Even if he cried, he didn't cry as someone who has no hope. He fasted and he prayed. He was doing that as the first step towards resolving the problem. When he heard the bad news, he didn't allow himself to drown in the bad news. I mean, but Anna, we are surrounded by so much bad news. So many things that are happening. I mean, sometimes it's almost like it can't get worse than that. You know, you hear the story, you hear the story, just when you think you've heard it all, there's something else that comes. Just when you thought you were at pain and at the threshold of your pain, there's something else that you hear that makes you even feel more pain than the worst pain that you have ever felt. We live in times like that, but it, in times like that, we get tested with our faith and with our belief. And this is why we believe strongly that we should continue to meet as people in church, continue to pray together, because there's something about meeting this way that helps us to be able to navigate times like this. Can I hear an amen? Nehemiah says, I sat down and I wept. But then in chapter 4, verse 6, we hear a different story. He says, so we built the wall till, the, till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all their heart. I love it in the one translation where it says, for the people had the mind to work. So when things grind to a halt, when there is a disruption in momentum, you need to make sure you get the momentum back. If you are a leader of an organization, if you are the head of your home, if you are one of those people who inspires hope in the community, you need to just make sure we get the momentum back. You remember the definition of momentum, right? Momentum is the force with which a body moves equal to its mass multiplied by its velocity. That's the formula, right? It is the force with which a body moves equal to its mass and multiplied by its velocity. So a falling object gains momentum as it falls. And I did get the number. Doc, maybe you remind me. We are told that when objects fall, they fall at a pace of 9.85 meters per second. Is that correct, right? 9.85 meters per second. Next time I'll the exam, right? 9.85 seconds. Uh, 9.85 meters per second. However, the heavier the object, it's the faster it's going to fall. All right? So that's momentum. And the word momentum is also used. You know right now is the time of the Olympics. And you've seen some athletes as they run. Sometimes we've seen not at these Olympics as such. But you find an athlete runs towards the finish line. And just before they cross the finish line, they stumble. You know? And as they stumble, as they're going towards the ground, the momentum pushes them forward. And at least even if they fall, they fall on the other side of the finish line. So momentum is an important thing because when you have momentum, things work. But when you don't have momentum, even the simplest tasks will feel impossible. When you don't have momentum, John Maxwell says, you feel stuck, you feel overwhelmed by failure. I think this period that we are in 
Because of the many stops and goes and things going wrong, people losing this, people losing their job, people losing their loved ones, people all of this, and, and you get to that point where you lose what you used to have. And people feel like they are in total failure and they're overwhelmed by, fa- by, 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 by fear, overwhelmed by a sense of despair. Statistics are showing us that the, 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 there's a rise in, in cases of people struggling with their mental health. You know, people, when it comes to their emotional well-being, people, they're not okay. And the rates of suicide are going on, and people are just struggling and struggling. Why? Because we were used to have him. I mean, people used to go out. We used to go out, cross everybody match. Right here today, there's another match that's going on. Of course, we won't say much about it. You know, some of you never said amen until I mentioned the match, you know. Some of you never said anything until I mentioned the match. But, you know, we used to do life. We used to go there, go there. We had momentum. People were studying. People were doing this. Business was running. Everything was off. I mean, right now, when you drive down past some of the malls here in Soweto, and you see there's no life there. There's no cars parked there. There's nothing going on outside there, you know? And all of that can be a problem. And that's why we need to get the momentum back. Can I hear an amen, Bazalon? So Nehemiah, when he talks about it, he talks about it. So there's an advantage when we have momentum because we are told and we all know that a, 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 a train that's moving down the railway tracks If there's an obstacle on the railway tracks, if this train is coming at a fast rate and it has momentum, it will just push that obstacle out of the way. But the same train, if it's moving very slowly and it doesn't have momentum, then even the small obstacle will stop it. And this is why you see people now, even small problems have become big problems. Why? Because we've lost momentum. There's no momentum. People are not moving forward, so it's a problem. And so it's important for us to understand that momentum is a very important thing because if you can harness the power of momentum, you can achieve anything. And I'm going to show you now in Scripture how momentum has become so important. Now, John Maxwell in his book, 25 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, talks about the law of momentum. He calls it the big mo. And some of the points he raises, and I want to link it to a lot of what we see in the Bible, are as follows. Number one, momentum is a great exaggerator. Write it down. Momentum is a great exaggerator. In other words, when things are going well, momentum makes them even better. You know, when we are winning, when, when everything is going well, we are willing to even overlook things that are not going well. How many of you realize that? You know, you know when your team is winning, it doesn't matter even if they miss the penalty. Anybody knows what I'm saying, right? It doesn't matter. I mean, it's winning. It's winning. It doesn't matter. Even if the coach didn't feature the person you liked, it doesn't matter. Why? Because your team is winning. But if your team is losing, yeah, even the linesman is in trouble. And the referee is in trouble and everybody is in trouble. Even the day on which you played, they said, no, they made us play too many matches. But when you are winning, it doesn't matter how many matches you play. Come on now, are you coming alive now? So, you know, when you have momentum, small things don't deter you. 
Small things don't take your focus away. And I'll show you in scripture that why it's so important for the church to meet, for the church to do what church should do. Because once we come together under the Spirit of God, come together in the presence of God, and the Spirit of God comes upon us, and the power of God comes upon us, the church can be able to do far more like that than when momentum has been disturbed. Can I hear an amen, Bazar? So therefore, when things are not going well, momentum makes them even look more worse. This is because when you have momentum, you don't worry about small problems. And larger ones seem to work themselves out. Mara, without momentum, even small obstacles seem insurmountable. Turn to Acts chapter 6 with me and let's see. We see now here, the church is doing well. The early church is growing. People are getting saved. The power of God is moving. But then they, then they, they get into a problem. As people are increasing, the apostles are not able to take care of everybody. All right? They're not able to take care of everybody. It says that when you read from verse 1, as the numbers were growing, as more people were coming, and I'm reading, as the number of disciples was increasing greatly, there was murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So, you know, because the numbers are growing, right? The apostles can't take care of everybody. I don't know what translation they're using here. Give me the, the New King James Version or the NIV. So, you know, so there's a complaint that comes, legitimate complaints. Oh, you know, you are, you are doing daily distribution of food, but you are not distributing food to, uh, to the Greek-speaking Hebrews. So there is a problem. Verse 2, let's go to verse 2. I'm reading on the screen, please, people at the back. Can you just help me quickly? Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said to them, there's no reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Then the twelve called the multitudes and said to them, seek out from you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, him whom we may appoint over this business. Keep going, please. Now, verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the word. Now note the next verse. Verse 5. It says there, and the saying pleased the multitude. Now, Bazalan, I've been a leader for many years. Okay? It's not often that people get pleased. Particularly when they're a multitude. But you see, when they said choose other people, we can do it, there was no problem at all. Why? Because the church had momentum. People were getting saved, the spirit was moving, and so on. This is not the usual picture. You know that. When there's community meetings, this is not the spirit that prevails. There's always somebody who raises a hand and says, no, mina andivum, and the other people say second it, and the other one says third it, or fourth it. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? But here, because there is there's a momentum in the church, Things are moving well in the church. They're able to resolve even major problems. See, when you don't have momentum, even, even smaller yana problems deter the church. I mean, sometimes you find in the religious world, church is splitting just over small things. And the reason that happens is because there's no momentum whatsoever. Can I hear an amen? Let, you have, let me have my scripture back, please. Scripture back. It says there, so now... They chose these people, Stephen, men full of the Holy Spirit, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paneas, Nicholas, Proselyte, the proselyte, 
verse 6, whom they set before the apostles. When they prayed for them, they laid hands on them, and then they sent them out. Now, look at verse 7. It says, then the word of God spread. The church didn't lose momentum. The work of the ministry didn't stop. The word of God spread, number one. The number of the disciples was multiplied, not just greatly in Jerusalem. And, great, and, and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. Can I hear an amen, Bazar? It is in the atmosphere of momentum and of one accord where we see the church moving. And this is the same atmosphere that we must maintain in the church because remember, the church was born in an atmosphere of one accord. The church was born in that atmosphere of the presence of God and it is in that atmosphere that the church had great momentum. In Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 4, the New King James Version reads, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, note, they were all in one accord in one place. So it's an atmosphere of unity, it's an atmosphere of one accord, and it is this kind of atmosphere that you get momentum in this kind of atmosphere. Verse 2 says, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them divided tongues as of fire, sat upon each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you see, even the atmosphere in which the church is born, it's a different kind of atmosphere. It's a different, it's a kind of atmosphere of one accord. People are in one place. People are praying. The power of God is on them. Note what happens in verse 41. Same chapter, chapter 2. It says, then those who gladly received the word were baptized. And that day there were about 3,000 people who got saved. You see the church has momentum. But people are attending. People are getting saved. This is momentum, Bazalon. This is what we must get back to our church. We must get back to see people getting saved again. To see people changed by the power of God again. Are you there, Bazalan? We must bring people who are not saved again and bring them back to church. This is what the church looks like. But see, the momentum has been disturbed. You know, the one pastor who was, whom I was talking to, whom I saw love, you know, and we were talking with him and he was saying, he was bemoaning the fact that in our church, the numbers of salvations have dropped. He says, we used to make so many numbers. Now the numbers have dropped. And I said, I feel your pain. Because you see, once momentum is disturbed, we have all those things. Verse 42, it says, and they continued steadfastly. They continued, continued, that's momentum. They continued, not half-heartedly, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So you must continue coming to church. Hmm? You must continue worshiping the Lord. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, in prayers. Note what happens as a result of that momentum. Verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. It says, now all who believed were together. They had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods, divided them amongst people who had need. They continued daily, somebody say daily. 
They continued daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, but note because of momentum, verse 47, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily, such as should be saved. That's what we want to see, Barcelona. Can I hear an Amen. Because of momentum, you see, there's healing, there's provision, there's people getting saved because there's momentum in the church. There is unity, there's all kinds of things. Once momentum is disturbed, we run into a lot of trouble. Can I hear an amen? So these people were all in one place. Not only did the church start with momentum, they were sustained by momentum. And therefore, we mustn't allow ourselves to lose momentum or otherwise we get sidetracked into things we shouldn't get sidetracked onto. Number two, momentum helps us to perform better because momentum generates motivation. Momentum generates motivation. And even the other way, motivation generates momentum. Why? Because momentum boosts people's morale and boost people's faith. This is why it's so important for people to meet together in one place, and as we meet together, to hear the teaching, the preaching of God's word. The teaching and the preaching of God's word will motivate people. It will motivate people. And when people are motivated... Their corporate faith and belief creates an atmosphere where great and mighty things can happen. This is what people haven't understood. And you know, I used to see it, you know, when you go to uh, outreach programs and so on, when you have many people attending in a place. And you know, as we are preaching and teaching, people are into the sermon, not like you, you are all looking at me like whatever, you know. This is not the kind of crowd I want to have when I'm moving in the spirit of miracles and so on. You, I will rent a different crowd to all of you. You, you people here yeah, are just another kind of crowd. But when you have an, and when you see people coming along and people getting along, for instance, at Orlando Stadium, when we meet and we worship corporately, and you see people joining their hearts and raising their hands, like it happened in the Temple of Solomon. The Bible says, and when the people were of one heart and one mind, one mind and, when the, and when the psalmists and the Levites raised their voices together, and when the instrumentalists raised the instruments together, when that happened, the Bible says the glory of the Lord just came upon the people. It is that kind of atmosphere that God is able to operate in when people's hearts are lifted up and when people give extravagant praise to God and, and worship to God it just generates another kind of atmosphere hallelujah and this is why you see when Jesus was preaching to crowds and preaching to many people he wouldn't just start by healing because healing needs faith the Bible says he went about teaching, preaching and healing teaching preaching and healing. Why is Jesus doing that? He is teaching, he's preaching to generate faith. And when people's faith is generated and people are in one accord, they can move to the next step where they can receive what they couldn't be able to receive before. That's why the church must meet. That's why we must gather together. 
Because I know people who have received their healing in this kind of atmosphere. I know people who when they listened to something, they heard something new. There are those who didn't think certain things were possible. But as they sat in the spirit of one accord, they could hear something that is different. Can I hear an amen? And it's so important. So important. See, when faith is born in the heart of a person, no power of darkness and no previous condition, no matter how long, will stop their momentum of faith as they move into a different type of life. In Acts chapter 14, we read how Paul is preaching in this place. In Lystra, it said, and there sat a certain man in Lystra, impotent in his feet. From his mother's womb, this man had never walked, the Bible says. It is the same man heard Paul speaking. Paul was preaching. Paul was teaching. Paul was giving the word. And as this man was listening, he heard Paul. It says when Paul steadfastly beheld this man, he perceived that there was something going on on the inside of this man because of what he is hearing, because of what he is listening to. Something is being generated on the inside of him. Paul decided because this man already is on a roll, because he is already on a momentum to get something, I will not even wait for the end of the service. I'm going to point at this guy at this time and I'm going to call him to come to another level. This says, beholding him, he said to him, stand up. And I love what the verse says, this man not only did he stand up, it says he leaped and he walked. I mean, this guy. Something about the atmosphere of faith and preaching and teaching. It generates something on the inside of us. You know, during the week, I, I was attacked by emotions <laughs> during the morning prayer. I honestly didn't expect to break down and cry because I was talking about young people. And I was talking about young people. I just recall how so many young people find church as a place of hope. And they come to church and they hear something different. Something that gives them hope. Not the darkness that our young people are surrounded by right now. They hear about a God who can take them to another level. They hear about a God who's able to lift them up. That even if they left a home, a home where there's no hope, where they are being discouraged, even if they come from a dysfunctional background, as they sit in the church, they're able to hear that you don't have to be locked in that life. God can do something different. As this man was sitting and listening to Paul, Paul could perceive there's something that's happening on the inside of this guy. So he says, Munna, stand up. The brother is so motivated. He has so much momentum. I am. He just jumps up. I see that happening to you. You jumping up in Jesus' name in whatever area you have lost momentum. And God is about to do that. Give the Lord a shout and say hallelujah somebody. Number three, momentum is more natural to steer than to start. It's harder to start momentum. That's the problem Nehemiah had. People had given up. 
They were discouraged. Their morale was low. They had given up. And this is what we see today. And I want to ask our people, don't give up. I'm asking you, don't give up. You may not know what to do yet, but just don't give up. I'm praying that as you are listening to God's word, it will stir something inside your heart today. Something will begin to take shape and take form. So Nehemiah had to get people to move. So the intrinsic part of the law of the big momentum that it's hard to get going. But once you are moving, (laughs) the minute they started building, he could get them to finish. So I'm going to show you how do you get momentum to go. So it's important. Number four, momentum therefore. It requires the following. Vision. Firm goals. And established disciplines. You can't have momentum if you don't have vision. There's no way. Proverbs 29.18 says, Where there's no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. When you don't have vision, and you don't have goals, you will not have momentum. And when you don't have momentum, you get to a point where you will limit your potential. For whatever it's worth, I'm asking you, don't limit your God-given potential. Have vision. Have goals. Establish discipline in your life. When you do that, you'll have momentum. How did Nehemiah generate momentum? How do we build momentum into our lives? Four things as we close. Number one, we note in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, he started with prayer. You know, I'm, I'm being honest with you, Bazalana. I have come to, re- I've known this point. Mara, I think I've appreciated it more now. This is what I've realized. Unless God anoints you in these things, you will not be able to start certain things. I'm telling you. It occurred to me when I was reading that, that verse, you know, Psalms 127, except the Lord build a house. There's so many things in there. Number one, God is a builder. Number two, the ability to build is a God-initiated, God-inspired effort. God is a builder. So unless so, so God, God's nature is the nature to build. And when God comes upon you, you can't help but be a builder. But if his anointing doesn't come on you, if God's anointing didn't come upon Nehemiah. If God's anointing didn't come upon Zerubbabel, he says, the, 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 he says the hand of Zerubbabel has started this and the hand of Zerubbabel, it's our faith. Kinna who has anointed you. He talks to Moses and says, Bona, I have called heal. I've called so and so. I've anointed them with my spirit to be able to build. Oh. I've, I've, it occurred to me. That's why where there is God, there's building. Where there's God, there's a certain kind of moving forward, a certain kind of momentum. You know, when things are happening in your life, you can take it for granted. But we are realizing now with everything else, you know, a lot of these things, if it was not for God, 
God help us, some of us who have, who, were, who were just patting themselves on the back, you thought it was you. We realize how everything in this life can just go up as vapor, just poof. Man, my goodness, God is the one who is able to inspire. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Start with God. Start on your knees, start in prayer. It is on your knees where God inspires you. It is on your knees where God empowers you. It is on your knees where God anoints you. And he lavishes his anointing and his power upon you to be a builder. And to have momentum in your life. Number two, make an assessment of the challenges that you have. Be truthful about them. Accept and say, what's This is where I am. Number three, Start embracing vision of a different situation. Nehemiah started casting vision in Nehemiah 2 verse 17 to tell people what can be done. And and number four, remember, you'll always have things that try to come against your momentum. The naysayers and the negative people and the circumstances. (laughs) There'll always be something that tries to stop your momentum. But you say, no, I'm not going to stop. And said, some of you, some of you, your starting point as you are listening today is to invite Christ in your life to change you and to make you a child of God. In all that we are and all that we do, only Jesus Christ can give us a start. And I want to challenge you where you are in this auditorium here and those who are streaming, wherever you are, why don't we start with God? Him coming into your life and making you a child of God. I want to pray for you now. And thereafter, I want to pray for people who would love to see their momentum come back. Let me pray for you. Follow me in this prayer if you want to receive Jesus Christ. Can you join me, congregation, as we pray? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite Jesus Christ to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer and for coming into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Those of you who say, you know what, there's an area where my momentum was kind of interrupted. And I think many of us can agree to that. I just need prayer. I just want to pray for you. Just stand on your feet right where you are. If that's you, just stand. Whoever you are, just stand. And I'll I'll stand. I'll raise both hands and both feet. Let me pray for you. Those of you watching by way of television, you can raise your hand where you are. Those of you who are watching on YouTube, on our website, on Facebook, you also can raise your hands. Those of you who are streaming from our branches, you can raise your hand as I pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that your power and your Holy Spirit will come upon us like it did upon the early church, like it did upon Nehemiah, like your power did come upon these, your people. We pray that your spirit will raise us up and we will rise by the power of God and move on with what you've called us to do. Get our momentum back. We thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your power. To you who is able to keep us. You who is able to raise us up. 
bless us all. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. We want to thank all of those of you who are joining us by way of television. That's right. We want to thank you all and we say, please remember, God hasn't forgotten about you. Get your momentum back in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big hand of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.